What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft coffee. Guys, you can subscribe to Strava Craft coffee right now and save 20% on every single order of Strava Craft coffee and have that coffee delivered straight to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks at that 20% price without having to enter your credit card information and order it every single time. It'll just show up to you. And boy, isn't that what everyone needs? Just coffee to show up to your door. But if you want to try Strava Craft Coffee out for the first time before subscribing, use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your first order of Strava Craft Coffee. And of course, Strava Craft Coffee isn't just delicious coffee. It also has that CBD infusement and CBD helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, anything that's going on with your body. The CBD helps relax that what's going on. And also it helps with the coffee jitters. So you get the caffeine, but you don't get the coffee jitters. A perfect two-in-one punch and we've got that two-in-one punch for you as well use that magical code dnvr20 for 20 percent off your first purchase then subscribe and save 20 percent on every single order after that all right mace let's hop into the show into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday, big day here in Broncos country. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, guys, got to tell you about MSU Denver Online. Guys, class is starting up at MSU Denver Online this week, so get in right now. And time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education allowing you to adapt into varying careers. And you can do that and build your toolbox over at MSU. Denver online. So make sure to check them out. They have so many classes. They have so many hybrid programs as well, and they are affordable. They build the schedule around your life. So you don't have to drop everything you're doing in order to take classes. So make sure to check them out. MSU Denver online. My boy, Mace, what's going on? Today is a big day in Broncos country with George Payton being introduced as the Broncos new general manager. I thought you were going to say today is a big day because it's the seventh anniversary of the Broncos seventh AFC championship. Of course, on this day in 2014, the Broncos defeated the New England Patriots. Gorgeous day in the Mile High City. Peyton Manning had an AFC title. John Elway had his first AFC title as a general manager. All things seem possible on that day. And I've <laughs> already seen about the, what happened after. Yeah, exactly. I've already seen this on Twitter. And someone said, it's funny how the season ended with the conference championships that year. Yes, indeed. It is funny how, <laughs> how they're, how 
you know, they, they skipped the Super Bowl. It was amazing. I mean, we, we're not going to skip the Super Bowl in a pandemic year, but we're going to skip, we skipped the Super Bowl that year when everything was perfect. I mean, who knew? <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yes. And uh, so that you could say this is the golden anniversary of that if it's, uh, you know, the seventh anniversary um, seven years ago. You could. That's actually. Well, I mean, the seventh anniversary is always going to be seven. Oh, well, of course. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't but, know what I was uh, thinking. <laughs> well, the, you could say it's the Elway anniversary because of uh, the seven. Yes. Yes. And so in 11 years, you'll be saying it's the Peyton Manning anniversary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we already well, passed the Matt Prater anniversary. <laughs> that's some way to look at it. You know what? I wonder if any couples out there, that's how they celebrate their, their wedding anniversaries is by saying, uh, you know, this is our John Elway anniversary, our Peyton Manning anniversary, our Chris Harris anniversary. <laughs> hey, six years. Happy Jay Cutler anniversary. Oh, boy. <laughs> there could be some bad ones in there. You oh, just yeah. got to plow through those years. Yep. Or you could say for five years, it could be maybe it's not Matt Prater. Maybe it's our Joe Flacco anniversary. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and of course, then three years, it's the Drew Locke anniversary. Well, We'll see. Maybe maybe Drew Locke can uh, can restore his name and number and value a little bit. Mm, yes, yes, we will see about that. And May, speaking of seeing, there's a lot to see when it comes to the Broncos' new general manager, George Payton, who we're going to talk to later today. But we've already maybe found out some things that he is or isn't going to do. And there was a very interesting piece in Woody Page's column, Mace. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, and I want to make it clear, this isn't, you know, obviously it's not from a necessarily from a Broncos source or anything like that. But Woody Page wrote a piece on George Payton over the weekend. And, uh, you know, one thing he talked, he talked about many things, including noting that uh, Fangio and Drew Locke would definitely return in 21, but nothing guaranteed beyond. But he also had this interesting nugget. And it went like this, quote, one highly respected executive told me the Broncos, quote, will take a step backward before taking three steps forward, unquote, and that George Payton certainly is aware the franchise must confront Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in four games every season, unquote. Well, being aware of confronting Mahomes and Herbert, if you just took that face value, you'd be like, well, no bleep, Sherlock. I mean, of, <laughs> of course. But I think the relevant part of that is saying with those two quarterbacks – the notion that the Broncos might have to step back to make the big leap forward. And so it kind of got my brain working a little bit to think, all right, if the Broncos did take a step back, how would it happen and what would it look like in the season? And Mace, tell me if if you disagree with me, but to me, those two things combined about the Broncos taking a step back and George Payton also realizing that he has to go up against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert for the next decade, those two things combined tell me that George Payton knows he may need to go with a young quarterback in order to do this. Now, Drew Locke is young, so that could be the route, although you would think going into his third season that George Payton wouldn't necessarily think Drew Locke would have to take a big step back in order to continue to progress. 
you would think that that would be with someone even younger with Drew Locke. That's at least where my mind goes when I hear that, because we know that some rookie quarterbacks can have success, but if you're counting on a young quarterback to have success right away, uh, you're probably setting yourself up for failure. Just be surprised with, with, when they play really well for you. But Mace, that's what that initially says is George Payton is ready to find the guy that has a super high ceiling, something we talked about yesterday, but a sustainable ceiling that can be like the Justin Herberts. Obviously, the Patrick Mahomes, you'd love to find that, but that's probably not realistic. Uh, and so what does that mean for the Broncos quarterback situation? To me, that says, man, we, he may be looking young. Yeah, although Deshaun Watson is still young. Mm-hmm. He's not on a rookie contract, but he's still young. It, it means you are looking for the answer for the next decade and a half. It also means that, frankly, being mid-tier probably isn't going to be good enough. Right. That you've got to be somebody who maybe isn't Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, uh, yeah, everyone's going to roll their eyes at this, but I don't care. Patrick Mahomes is on an all-time pro- trajectory. Yeah, I said it last year and got yeah. killed, but I stand right. by it. Yeah, it, he he is. Uh, like it, you, you don't have to like it, but you have to accept it's the reality. He is doing things at a young age, has a level of accomplishment that is nearly unmatched in NFL annals. I mean, quarterbacks who uh, did that much that it, at that early stage in their career, you know, it took Joe Montana until his uh, his third season to 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 win a super to win a Super Bowl, kind of like uh, Patrick Mahomes, but Mahomes also, you know, had the MVP. He had, you know, he he put together two great seasons by by year three of his career. And now, of course, Patrick Mahomes, he concluded year four, and guess what? Year four was just like year two and year three for him. I mean, maybe not didn't have an ungodly number of, of touchdowns, but had the Chiefs, you know, they're back in the AFC championship game again. He's flourishing. You have to expect that these types of years are going to be the norm for him. Now they'll take some free agent hits and they may they, they may dip a little bit over time, but he'll get better at reading defenses. He said so last year that he hasn't really learned how to read defenses yet. And where can he go when he does? And that's just part of that's part of his evolution. You cannot expect Patrick Mahomes to drop down to a level that is mid-tier or even just pretty good, you have to assume he's going to stay in the elite. Yes. Just, Justin Herbert, we don't know if he's going to be elite. We've seen signs that he can be. But this but this is your reality. And if Drew Locke is just okay, say lower mid-tier, I mean, unfortunately, right now, if you rank the, the, uh, the quarterbacks, the 37 quarterbacks with 150 attempts, he's 34th in rating and he's 37th in completion percentage this year. So if Drew Locke is saying lower mid-tier, he settles in somewhere in the in the 20s, that's fine, but it's probably not something where you're going to give him a long-term contract. He's a guy and not the guy. Yeah. So it, it tells me that. But the other thing that kind of jumps out at me is how would this team take a step back this year? It wouldn't just be that Drew Locke fails to launch because it would take another year where you had a catastrophic run of injuries or something else, dare I say, not re-signing a lot of your guys, letting them go, and then 
the replacements simply aren't as good as the as the players that you let walk out. You're 100% right, Mace. And on offense, the offense has rebuilt. I think that's safe to say without John Elway necessarily saying it. The youth movement is what the Broncos have done on offense the past couple of years, specifically last year. And so the offense is in that rebuilding phase right now. And they, they're they're moving their way up. They, they've already got to the ground level and they're moving their way up. However, Mace, the defense is certainly not in rebuild mode and they haven't been. So that would be the part of the ball that I would look at, the side of the ball that I would look at and say, maybe that's where George Payton could be looking at in order to to take a step back and, and to rebuild and to get this team not just young on offense, but young as a team. And that would mean probably moving on from guys like Jarrell Casey, AJ Boye, not re-signing a Shelby Harris type of player, not re-signing potentially a Justin Simmons type of player. If you lose all of it and Von Miller, you let him go as well. Those are a ton of guys in in their thirties right there. Now, maybe you can make an argument that Justin Simmons stays, but everyone else goes because Justin's still young and up and coming. Yeah. I, I could see that happening, but still, if you move on from all those guys, I just mentioned Mace, that's almost half your defense. You're moving on. You are saving a ton of money, which you can roll into next year. And then maybe that's where you hit the draft really hard, which we already expect the Broncos to do is hit the defensive draft young. And, And then additionally if you start young at the quarterback position start with the rookie with all of this youth on offense and defense well there you go that's how this team probably takes a step back and they grow this year and then George Payton would hope that they would take off next year if this is the case yeah and uh you know the the Broncos did a lot to be to, to kind of try to put things together on the fly on the defensive side with all the injuries that they had last year. But ultimately they were 18th in yards per play allowed and they were, let's see here, 21st in total yardage allowed last year. And in scoring defense overall, they ranked 25th and that's with, that, that's with a lot of guys hurt. So even Vic Fangio has his limits of wizardry. And the reason why I say that is let's say you don't re-sign Shelby Harris. And let's even say you don't re-sign Justin Simmons as painful as that, as that might sound. And Von Miller, let's say he doesn't come, doesn't come back in your status quo at edge rusher. Then, uh, you know, AJ Boye, you don't bring back. And that's actually an easy, a relatively easy cut because there's no dead money there. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's possible you could be looking at the defense being kind of being overrun again, even though you may devote draft resources to it. Could be a very young defense that's still that is still finding its way, and maybe the off. And, the, and if Drew Locke doesn't launch, then you have a situation where offense can't keep pace, and the season ends up looking a lot like it did last year. Right, exactly. Just except without injuries, it's something that you kind of caused because you want to do this. And Mace, people are probably pulling their hair out saying, why, why would they do this? No, don't do this. The defense is a strong point. Don't do this. Well, to me, Mace, when you hire a new general manager and you give him a six-year contract and you give him final say on everything, I think it's fair. You play by his rules and you play ball with him. And if he wants to rebuild and, and start over and start from scratch in his mind and get a lot of salary cap space for next year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe, maybe they move back in the draft and roll with drew for one more year and pick up more draft picks for next year. 
you signed up for that, but by John Elway moving on, you, you are done with the win now philosophy, unless that's something that George Payton comes out and says today, but certainly taking a step back is not a win now philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that source believes right Mace, then that this is something where I wouldn't blame, I wouldn't blame George Payton. Now what I would recommend George Payton to do is to kind of tell us that is to tell us, yeah, you know, we're not in a win now mode anymore. And of course he, he's not going to come out and say, we're ready to, you know, fully rebuild from the ground up. But what did John Elway always do these past, this past decade, which was great at times. And it was frustrating at other times. He always said, you know, he had that Pat Bowling mentality. We're going to win every single game playoffs, playoffs. And that has kind of died down the past few years when it's become unrealistic. Uh, but it, that that's something that I would like to hear George kind of hinted us at least. Well, the Broncos looked for shortcuts back to their old level. And uh, you, you look no further than the quarterback position. Once they got past 2017, you know, there were, there was interest in Kirk cousins, but they decided, but ultimately cousins went to Minnesota. And so the Broncos went with case Keenum. Now, if they wanted to kind of have a forward thinking mentality about this, then they either a would have tried to move up to get Sam Darnold instead the Jets jumped them or B uh, maybe would have seen more in, in Josh Allen who they did work with down at the senior bowl and uh, picked him number five. Bradley Chubb gave them a chance to do better right away. But at that point they were basically left with putting all the eggs in case Keenum's basket, which was saying, all right, he got the Vikings to the NFC championship game the year before. Maybe what he did with Minnesota was for real. Maybe that's his actual level going forward. And he can do the same thing with us. Didn't quite happen. Of course, the Broncos went six and 10. And then a year later, then you bring in Joe Flacco and you start saying things like he's just entering his prime. I mean, I mean, some of that may have been to kind of talk Joe Flacco up, but I mean, why do that? Why, why waste your resources? Why waste cap resources on a Joe Flacco? If, I mean, in retrospect, Zach, sometimes I think back to that moment and say, yeah, you might not have been able to sell it very well to the fans, but you, you probably should have run bet, run it back with case Keenum. If you're just going to bring in Joe Flacco, because that would have <laughs> saved you, that would have saved you money in, in cash and money in the cap. Oh boy. I hope that's what George Payton's not thinking of is, is the case Keenum's and Joe Flacco's of the world. Oh, I, I hope not, unless you're talking about just having a, a backstop behind Drew Locke. And I do – and look, if they don't get into the Deshaun Watson type of sweepstakes, they probably are looking at the Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor type of quarterback. Um, so, yeah, to to be competition for Drew Locke, to provide that hedge, I would still rather have the younger hedge just because I want somebody with upside. And again – in thinking in terms of what George Payton might be seeing here, that you're in the division with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, you got to find a quarterback who can go toe to toe with those guys. And you know, Andy Dalton, if he has to step in for Drew Locke, that's a band aid. Uh, you're you're better off seeing if seeing if Drew Locke can be the guy. Right now, he's just a guy. Seeing if he can step up and be the guy if he has that sort of potential. But if not, uh, then preparing to preparing to move on preparing to go get that quarterback next year you know maybe they like the quarterback class next year better than this year maybe you know spencer rattler keaton slovis sam howell maybe they fit 
what George Payton wants better than if you get past Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, if you get to, uh, if, if, if you get to um, Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or your guy, Mac Jones, I mean, maybe they, they see the quarterbacks next year being better options. And that's where what they do draft wise comes into play because if they have the opportunity to trade down for future capital, I think they would think long and hard about it to make sure they had more picks in 2022. So there are, there are a lot of layers to this, but, Kind of thinking, thinking long term is at the core of this, and 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 basically not rearranging things in the short term and not going all in for what is likely to be a ceiling of a either a second place finish or a fluke division title because Patrick Mahomes missed a bunch of games. Because I'll bet you, Zach, over the next decade that if the chiefs don't win the AFC West more often than not, there's going to be a Patrick Mahomes injury associated with that. That's just kind of the reality of the moment. Watch what you say on this pod, Mace. They'll come after you. <laughs> I know that rap from a year ago, uh, but, but maybe, you're maybe reality is settling in after <laughs> right. yet another great Patrick Mahomes season that, Maybe that this is this is just what life is going to be like. You're you you're you are chasing you're ch- you are chasing Bigfoot, except except Bigfoot instead of you know Bigfoot is smart. Bigfoot has a big arm. Bigfoot has leadership qualities. Isn't just alone in the forest. There's a you know th- there's a there's an army of little Bigfoots behind him, and they all and they're all and they all do a good job of hiding too. This is, it's it's sad, but uh, it's sad for Broncos country. But it's the reality. So how do you count? So how do you counter that? How do you avoid being what the Bills, Dolphins, and Jets were for the better part of two decades in the AFC East? That that uh, that is something you consider, and that's why Peyton is actually kind of qualified because, actually, he's kind of is probably understating it here because in Minnesota, in Minnesota. What have they dealt with for the last 13 years in their division? A Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> I was going to say not, Matt. I was going to say Matt Stafford. Yeah, you may not think much of Aaron Rodgers, but he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He is if he if he gets the Packers over the hump this year and continues doing what he's doing for even another couple of years, he's probably in the top 10 quarterbacks of all time conversation. And as a result, you had the Vikings had to figure out how to challenge the Packers. No one else in the a, in the NFC North has done a better job consistently of being a threat to the Packers because you know the Vikings did win the division in 08 and 09 and in 15 and in 17. They were in position in 17 for example to capitalize when Aaron Rodgers was dealing with with, with some injuries. They've had you know, they had a wild card season in 2012 when Adrian Pearson went off. But one of the things that Peyton probably learned from that time is they kept kind of plugging in quarterbacks. They kept kind of finding ways to challenge the Packers, but they never found that guy. Yeah, Brett Favre, he was a he was great in 09, but he was a band-aid. Christian Ponder flamed out. Teddy Bridgewater, sadly, he got hurt. Sam Bradford couldn't stay healthy on the knee. Kirk Cousins has been a statistically outstanding quarterback, but 
has not has has yet to get the the Vikings to an NFC North title while he's uh, while he's been under center. So he may look at that situation and say, "We were a, we've been a really good challenger in Minnesota to a Hall of Fame quarterback to the pack to the Packers being led by Rodgers all this time." But imagine if we could have found the guy. Imagine it, you know maybe he looks and says. Imagine if we'd even had Matthew Stafford with our team, not playing in that dysfunctional den in Detroit with our team, the Vikings. If he thinks that way, then it certainly augurs for a big and long-term move and long-term thinking here to make sure that you have the quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. And that's something that the the rest of the AFC East never had against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady until this year. And of course, yeah. Tom Brady wasn't in the division this year, is the guy. And that is what you need, Mace. And so uh, a step back could mean getting a rookie this year, Mace. It could also mean that George Payton doesn't have much confidence in, in Drew Locke. And, and I think that's something you have to look at because if he has confidence in Drew Locke, regardless of if he re-signs other guys, if you have the quarterback and you expect your quarterback to take the next big step, Mace, well, then you don't expect yourself to take to take a, t- a step back as a team. Now, again, m- maybe this source wasn't 100% right with Payton's thinking, uh, but that's just what that tells me if that is true. And Mace, you know what? If George Payton likes the draft class of quarterbacks next year more than this year, and he thinks they're going to take a step back, well, you know what? He thinks that they're going to have an even better draft position next year and be able to get a guy that they like even more than this year. And to me, that tells me there's a plan. And if there's a plan in place, I like that a lot because that's kind of what we've been looking for is a plan. And when Vic Fangio came here, Mace, one of the first things he said was there's going to be no Band-Aids. Well, what happens literally 48 hours later, they trade for Joe Flacco, one of the biggest band-aids you could ever get. But I could maybe see Vic Fangio getting on board with a plan, a long-term plan. Now, of course, that does kind of put his future in a little bit of jeopardy if this team takes a step back. But what if Peyton sells him on, you're coming back for your fourth season in 2022. Let's do this together, Vic. Well, uh, that's where another paragraph uh in that story, noting, uh, <laughs> note, noting that um, George Payton's Asian is also the same Asian as that of Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald um, sort of came into play there as well. So the other thing also with George Payton on a six year contract, he had, he has motivation to kind of sit back and say, okay, let's let this year transpire as it will. But then, I find out what works, what doesn't, and then we kind of start doing all the tinkering here. We start saying, all right, we we need X, Y, and Z. So, I mean, unfortunately, we exist in this realm where it's all speculative. It's all wondering what he's thinking, but, um, you know, it's... It just shows that the, the spectrum of possibilities is open here. I think one thing, if you know, we know George Payton has guided an analytics department. Uh, he helped uh, create the analytics department in Minnesota. So you wonder what he's going to think of uh, some of the numbers. I mean, like for you know, is he going to look at Drew Locke and and see more of what he did in the last few games of the season, or is he going to step back and look at the broader sample size and look at, and it, does he look at passer rating at all, for example, because the bottom line on, on drew lock, if you go by second year quarterbacks 
and you, you look at guys that had in the last decade, a passer rating of below of, of uh, below 85 in their second year. And that represents that, that represents 21 of the 43 second year quarterbacks since 2010. Drew Locke is, is toward the bottom end of that. The other names on that list are Trevor Simeon, Sam Darnold, RG3, Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Tannehill, Christian Ponder, who was in Minnesota, Daniel Jones, Kyle Allen, Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum, Geno Smith, Blaine Gabbert, Drew Locke, Mark Sanchez, Colt McCoy, Jake Locker, Tim Tebow, Brett Hundley, Sam Bradford, Brandon Whedon, and John Skelton. And what I see from that list is far more misses than hits. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, he he would have to believe that he was going to take the Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. uh, rebound. Uh, did you say yep. Josh Allen in there? I, I don't think no, because Josh name. Allen Josh Allen was above eighty five in year two, eighty five point three. Interesting, interesting, May. So we're we're going to find out a little more today, just where George Payton stands on Drew Lock. I'm sure we'll get a similar answer to what he said yesterday when he said Drew's talented and I think he can develop. Obviously, you want to bring in competition for every position. And Mace, we'll see not just over this year how he feels about Drew, but really in the next 14 months, right after the 2022 draft, we'll know how George Payton feels about Drew Locke and the quarterback conversation. Because if Drew Locke is still the number one quarterback on this team after the 2022 draft, well, then he's the guy. And George Payton really believes him. And I would imagine that we saw enough this year to also all think he's the guy as well even Andrew Mason probably saw enough to think he's the guy if he's still the number one quarterback after the 2022 draft but I Mm. caution I I caution people to think that a quarterback move like a defining huge quarterback move will happen this year because what I was told over the weekend was he may just take a step back and see how everything in the organization Mm. is done make a few tweaks this year but then really get to work next year after he sees everything yeah, and that may just be mean writing it out. And there's still, and if you're talking about how you could have a year where Drew Locke is still is a starting quarterback at the end of the season, but he's not he's not the guy. Well, there are a couple of possibilities. Number one, that the defense goes they go heavy on defense in the draft. It does improve. You get guys back to health and you're sitting there at 10 and six. And it's the whole thing of uh, what RK would say, whether you're the pilot or whether you're the plane or the pilot. And in that case, he could be the pilot. The other, the other thing is a season like a second round quarterback had in his third year in Minnesota when George Payton was there. That's Traveris Jackson back in 08. He was a second round pick in 06, an inconsistent season in 07. They bring in the veteran Hedge and Gus Farratt in 08, and they end up putting Farratt in by week three. But the plot twist was that at the end of the season, Gus Farratt gets hurt, and Traveris Jackson goes back in. And the Vikings finish it out and win a couple of games, and, and they end up winning the NFC North. Tavares Jackson throws, I think, I think he had a nine to two touchdown interception ratio uh, in those starts that he had late in the season. There's an indication. Oh, well, you know what? Uh, Maybe the time off did something for him. Maybe he's going to be the guy. Maybe it's all going to work out for him as a starting quarterback here in Minnesota. And pardon me, actually the touchdown interception ratio uh, down the stretch was, uh, was eight, one, my bad, not nine, two. Sorry about that. I want to correct that. 
And then they go in the playoff game against Minnesota. Tavares Jackson in a prove-it game. 15 of 35, 164 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Vikings lose at home to the Eagles. And then they're like, okay, we're going to bring in Sage Rosenfels. And then later in the offseason, we're going to bring in Brett Favre. <laughs> so that's what I would say. That's that's the scenario where the Broncos could have a good record, even, even be a playoff team. And Drew Locke is starting at the end of the year but he's not the guy. Oh boy. I hope that's not the case. I mean, I guess that would mean good things if the Broncos are in the playoffs, but boy, I think we'll have some more clarity. Yeah. And Christian Ponder is another example. Uh, Vikings go 10 and six. He's a starting quarterback, but they go 10 and six on the legs of Adrian Peterson. Ponder got eight games the following year and that was it. So that's why Peyton's background is really interesting on this because he's actually seen teams where you had a young quarterback and they did some good things in terms of overall team success, but that guy, but that quarterback was just a guy and not deemed to be the guy. Yeah. And I mean, he's done it all. George Payton's done it all. He's done the cost controlled quarterback had success with that. And then Macy's also paid Kirk cousins, the largest guaranteed money in NFL history, of course, traded a first round pick for a quarterback drafted first round quarterbacks. He has done it all. And that's what does make it so interesting to see which way he goes, man. One thing it'd be interesting to bet on who the Broncos quarterback will be next year. And I'm sure on DraftKings Sportsbook, you'll be able to do that fairly soon. And guys, not only can you bet on football, the Broncos future odds, and also this week's playoff games at DraftKings Sportsbook, you can also bet on UFC's most notorious icon coming back into the octagon this Saturday. Be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of the UFC for a shot to turn $1 into $257 this weekend. That's right, guys. New users can bet $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he does, you'll be cashing in $257. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. And man, we're all excited for the UFC bout this weekend. And of course, that's Saturday. Sunday, we got two huge football games. So there's plenty of action over at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code DNVR for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by a first-round knockout. For a limited time only, only DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also enjoy a taste of the Rocky Mountains by having some of the delicious Breckenridge beers from Breckenridge Brewery. Of course, it's the official beer of DNVR. You can buy it at your local grocery store in Colorado or Costco or check out that Breck Beer Finder on Breckenridge Brewery's website at breckbrew.com. You probably aren't too far. If you're somewhere in the United States, probably not too far from someplace where you can get some of those delicious Breckenridge brews and have a taste of the Colorado mountains, wherever you go. Breck also has some giveaways for you. They have teamed up with your Colorado avalanche to deliver beer via Zamboni before Avs games in the last week, week of January. Here's what you got to do to enter. If you live in Denver, head on over to breckbrew.com slash Zamboni delivery sweepstakes or 
Just go to breckbrew.com, then click on the Zamboni link and sign up. That's it. Must be 21 to enter. Live in Denver and pickers and, and winners will be picked via lottery. The last day to enter is January 28th. So get in while the getting's good. Five deliveries will happen on the 30th and five more on the 31st. How cool is that to have an actual Zamboni pull up to your place? and bring some of those delicious Breckenridge brews. The prize pack also includes the avalanche LED lights that you can put up in your man or your woman cave. Good luck. And don't forget, of course, about the farmhouse, their restaurant down at their brewery in Littleton, right off Santa Fe. If you order your meal and beer from the farmhouse, use the ma- that magical code DNVR, save $5 off your meal. Call 303 303- 803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. to pick up. They'll bring your to-go order right out to your car for you. And also don't forget about that 15-can sampler of Breckenridge Brewery. You can get it in a lot of places, a lot of grocery stores in Colorado, and also through Drizzly. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of the NVR. All right, Mace. Let's hop into the comment section. First one coming in from Nathan D. All right. I know it's been said before, but with even more talk today coming out of the teams calling on Deshaun Watson and divorce more and more likely, I'd be all in for giving up three first, three seconds, Locke and Tim Patrick. Give Texans a possible starter with a wide receiver he has chemistry with and was and something else. Plus, they could st- Draft a quarterback if one falls to nine and get a need. And we get Watson and compete in the AFC West for the next 10 years right off the bat. Well, Mace, I'm doing this trade. Are you doing the trade? If I'm the Broncos, I'm doing this trade. I'm just, I don't know if I'm doing this trade if I'm the Texans. Exactly. And, uh, and Nathan yeah. D, my, my question to you would be, it doesn't sound like this trade makes you uncomfortable. What about, you know, instead of Tim Patrick, or an additionally with Tim Patrick, you're throwing in another first round pick, such as Bradley Chubb, such as Cortland Sutton, maybe even both. And I mean, that that's where you have to go. Yeah. And the other thing is, if they are acquiring all those picks in the ninth pick, I don't think Drew Locke is much more than a throw in at this point from their perspective. And yeah, this is going to be this this is going to be harsh. And I know that there are fans listening who won't like this, but Drew Locke does not have a lot of trade value right now. Right. He around the league. There how how many teams would make Drew Locke their starter tomorrow? If they looked at their depth chart and looked at what they were going to acquire in the draft, how many would make Drew Locke their starter tomorrow? That's May, and and, and that I, I think teams yeah. would look to the draft before. Right. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, he does not have a lot of value league wide. He is not perceived to have a lot of value league wide. Now he could stay in Denver, blossom, and could prove everybody wrong, and that that is a legit possibility. But yeah, I look at this trade, and if I'm the Texans, I'm thinking. If they're willing to give up all that, uh, cross off Tim Patrick's name. I want Cortland Sutton, right? Or I want Jerry Judy, right? right. Who actually who had the drops, but probably has a higher ceiling and actually did lead the Broncos in receiving yardage this past year. Tim Patrick led in receiving touchdowns. Noah Fant led in receptions. I'm going through and trying to figure out if there have been how many teams there have been that had somebody different lead in all three receiving categories like that. But yeah. Like you said, Zach, if you're trading for Deshaun Watson, what you give, it's going to hurt. That's just that's <laughs> right. just how it is. That That's the going rate to get an elite quarterback. If Jamal Adams was worth two first-round picks and he's a safety, what is Deshaun Watson worth? Right, exactly. So good starting point, though, with the three firsts and three seconds, definitely. Yeah. Tebow time. 
Sorry, I did not listen to this podcast. I saved them for work, which is on the weekends, but I wanted to make a comment about the previous ones. Trey Lance is the second best quarterback of 2021 in my mind. I am sorry, Zach, but you are wrong when you say Mac Jones is better than Lance. All the reasons you gave are the same for Lance. Plus, he has amazing athleticism. He has a high football IQ, is accurate, and played for a dominant team like Mac Jones. However, I believe Lance can start day one for any team he is drafted to. He played in arguably the most pro system compared to the other top QBs in this class and played mistake-free football. What I love most about him is that is overlooked by most of the media is that he has an amazing pocket presence, uses his eyes to move defenders, and knows when to get out of the pocket and make that last ditch throw or run. Justin Fields always seems to be debating when to run, and Mac Jones doesn't have that option. More and more in today's NFL, if a quarterback can avoid mistakes and make smart decisions to use his athleticism, that he will come in ready to play. I also st- still believe in the idea that quarterbacks from Alabama just don't work in the NFL. I have to see it to believe it, and Tua in no way proved me wrong either. Love the pod and hope it wasn't too long to read. Zach, the floor is yours. Oh, man. Tebow time. Love that you're chiming in, but come on, man. You can't make the argument that uh, that what Trey Lance did in college was equally as impressive as what Mac Jones did. That's just silly. And I mean, the level of competition as well, you have to take that into consideration. But Mace, you know, I, you, you just can't do that and say that you're never going to draft an Alabama quarterback. At least I don't think you can, because if you right. do that with, with any position, with any school, you may work out in, in the long run by not taking a guy, but you're also going to miss out on talent. Mace, that, that's where, you know, that's why GMs get paid millions of dollars and there's huge scouting staffs to, to find out, okay, is this guy a product of a school or is he just that good? Uh, and so that, that's why I really don't like putting that limit on, on an Alabama quarterback. Now, Mace, if a team is looking for a mobile quarterback, Mac Jones is not their guy. Of course not. Of course not. I just think that Mac Jones will be able to succeed. And I'm not trying to make the argument that Mac Jones is, you know, hands down the best quarterback in this draft. No, I'm certainly not. I just think he's a, he's a viable first round quarterback that can have success in the NFL. However, if you want a, a project that has all the tools, Trey Lance, I can certainly see why he would be your guy. If you want a project that has all the tools, Mac Jones probably is not your guy. Raw tools that need a lot of refinement with Trey Lance. I mean, you start with the the footwork, for example. I mean, there's a little bit of dancing, a little some some happy feet that 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 get involved with him, and that's going up against FCS competition. How much different would that have looked against uh, FBS schools? There's also a long history of saying beware of the guy who only started for one year. Unfortunately for Trey Lance, that's what he's going in with just one year as the starter. So you're going to kind of kind of look askance at that. I I think he is somebody who's intriguing, but he is not ready to start day one. I think he's probably not going to be ready to, to start for at least a year, given given the learning curve that he's going to be that is going to be on. And you know, I'm I'm a little I, I'm. I'm fine with Trey Lance in the middle of the first round. I'm not sure the risk reward ratio is high enough to take him in the top 10. And I don't think he's, he's the QB two. Now he has the highest ceiling, but he also probably has the lowest floor of any of these guys. You could protect, you could argue that Mac floors or Mac Jones's floor is higher than anybody not named Trevor Lawrence, but what is his ceiling? I mean, yeah. I think you, you see his ceiling as higher than, than I do. And certainly higher than, uh, that RK does. 
Yeah, you're exactly right, Mason. Yeah, I do think that his floor is probably the second highest floor uh, of all the quarterbacks. So, Mason, there's not really a right or wrong here. If if you're a team and you want to develop a guy, I can absolutely see Trey Lance being your second quarterback on the board. If you're a team and you want to develop a guy and take time and have him be athletic, then Mac Jones is not your second guy. If you're a team and you want want instant success, you want a guy that's going to be a pocket passer and run a very traditional NFL style offense the mac jones could very well be your second quarterback on the board so i totally see where you're coming from tebow time just disagree with you on a few things Mm -hmm. next one coming in from casper fellas you discussed on yesterday's pod the idea of watson not wanting to play in the afc west because of mahomes and herbert if your franchise quarterback is nervous about what team he has to play for then you have a problem with your franchise quarterback if you look at the best athletes from all over sports the most successful ones are the ones that love playing the best of the best so they can show the world that they are true Truly the one to beat. How say you? Well, I certainly, if you took that this way, I did not mean that with Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, wanting to avoid the competition. However, Mace, I do think, and this is what I meant. I do think, let's say the Texans say we're trading you, you name the team, every team is giving us the same offer, which of course won't happen. But if that's the case, I think it'd be silly for Deshaun Watson to not look around at at the options that he has available and say, okay, what's my easiest path year in, year out? Uh, Do do I want to go and play a division that has one okay quarterback and that's it? Or do I want to go to the AFC West and play a division where Derek Carr is the worst quarterback in there and he's a good quarterback? Then you have Justin Herbert, a potential rising star. And of course, you have Patrick Mahomes as well. I think that if he said, I'm not going to the AFC West because of that, then of course you don't want him because that's not big time. But I think it would just be silly for him not to put that into the evaluation. Well, and I pointed out yesterday, it's not something I think Deshaun Watson is going to, to linger over. And I think if he was faced with a challenge, he would accept that and tackle it head on and say, Hey, I'm better than these guys. I think my team will be better than these guys, but you know, we, like I said, if you look at the NBA, you've had some players that in free agency did look at the landscape and say, I could win a title a little easier if I'm in the Eastern Conference rather than the Western Conference because a lot of the stars and a lot of the water, the high wattage in the NBA is concentrated in the West rather than the East. I mean, you know, obviously the Nuggets are struggling right now, kind of a bad example, but if the Nuggets were in the East, who's to say they wouldn't have been in the finals the way that things end up playing out for them in the postseason. So it's not something I think that he would ever publicly admit, but maybe it is something that ends up being on his mind. Although publicly, you know, he's going to say, I'm ready for any challenge whatsoever, but right. the, the path is going to be clearer very soon in the NFC because once you, you know, you get past Drew Brees, likely retiring, Tom Brady is 43. And then you have Aaron Rodgers, who's going, who's in his late 30s. So he should have a little bit more time left. And then Russell Wilson just finished his ninth season. It's not like you don't have elite quarterbacks, but there appear to be a greater concentration of younger elite quarterbacks in the AFC and the landscape looks different. And right now, Deshaun Watson is part of that concentration of elite quarterbacks. So he is, he is. And a guy that we don't talk about 
that could very well turn into elite quarterback is Joe Burrow. And of course he's in the AFC as well. Uh, Baker Mayfield really turned it on this year. I mean, yes, the, mm-hmm. the talent with quarterbacks in the AFC is scary. And then don't forget about Trevor Lawrence. If he is every, everything that people expect yep. him to be Greendale human being. Hey y'all, Zach, I see you with the smooth Chevalier mortgage lead in yesterday. I'll say the best of 2021 so far. <laughs> Sorry to let you down in the shout out from before. Oh, Greendale. Thank you. You're, you're flattering me. Yes. Yesterday y'all had an awesome conversation on the lock floor slash ceiling. It got to like a politely heated conversation. It gave me a flashback to sitting back awkwardly while my best friends were going back and forth over the best video games. But I love the debate as I've been somewhat of a Drew Lock apologist myself, but he just gave us more questions and answers this year. I still hope he can turn out to be the guy that we finally got Mace say at the end of last year. I didn't say Drew Lock was the guy. I said he is the guy. From the, he's the quarterback in 2021. <laughs> that that 2021 was a big figure about figuring out whether he was going to be the guy rather than a guy. Unfortunately, where we stand right now, he's a guy. Right. And yeah. if he starts in 21 and does better, he still can be the guy. But until he changes that, he's a guy. Mace, I'm not even convinced that he's going to be the starting quarterback of the Broncos. Now, if if I had to uh, uh, you know, put odds on, of course, Drew Locke is the favorite to be the starting quarterback in 2021. But I'm not fully convinced that he is right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because we've seen in regards to what a veteran hedge might look like. We've seen that Sean Payton has expressed interest in bringing Jameis Winston back to the saints for the uh, 2021 season. And of course he didn't start for the saints this year, but we got that glimpse on that uh, touchdown pass. He had that perfect passer rating for one completion for a touchdown Sunday for the saints against the Buccaneers. But the New Orleans Saints, Zach, have $276 million in commitments to the 2021 cap as of right now, according to overthecap.com. If that salary cap ends up being $175 million, they have to clear off over $101 million of cap space just to get in compliance then they have to figure out how to sign their rookies this is not a team that has any sort of wiggle room they may not be able to afford to re-sign Jameis Winston and if they do it might be a serious seriously backloaded contract so I don't know if it's a slam dunk just yet that Jameis Winston does come back to New Orleans and that that's a veteran hedge in which I would be very interested if I were the Denver Broncos, extremely interested because he's had that year of what John Elway called football rehab, sitting in new Orleans, watching drew Brees, watching Sean Payton, soaking everything in. I do know the saints would like to find a way to make sure that James Winston back. It might have to be a creative contract, but if they are really struggling to figure things out and figure out who to cut, what to cut, how to get in cap compliance, then definitely it's a possibility. That, that cap situation is one why one reason why you see a buzz about the Saints maybe trading Marshawn Lattimore in the defensive backfield because they can save $10.244 million by letting him go and have no dead money. I mean, the Saints are, are looking for 
for, for ways to figure the, figure out how to get out of this mess that they are in. They put it on a credit card card and now the bill is due. Yep. Yep. And Mace, why I love the idea of Jameis Winston being a hedge is typically when we talk about veteran hedges, their ceiling is very limited because you know exactly what they are mm-hmm. and they're in their thirties. They're just there for stability. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston, his ceiling is, you know, he could be the Ryan Tannehill in terms of reinventing right. his career and getting an extremely high ceiling. And so I love that I love Jameis Winston. If the Broncos are going veteran hedge, which does not excite me, there's one option that does, and it's Jameis Winston. And to go back to what you said earlier, Zach, if they did bring in Jameis Winston, could you see a scenario where Jameis Winston beats out Drew Locke in camp? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without I a doubt. The, I think that's very possible if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that everyone can get behind because what people are clinging on to, to Drew Locke right now is his high ceiling. That's what Ryan talked about yesterday. You know, the four touchdown, no interception game against the Panthers. That's exciting to see. I agree. That's exciting to see. Well, Jameis Winston also has some of those games as well. Yeah. The other thing is I can hear people saying, oh, the interceptions. I mean, you just had a quarterback with interceptions last year, replacing a guy with a guy who had the 30 for 30 season back in 2019. <laughs> That's where you're counting on the football rehab that he had last year with Sean Payton making a difference. Yeah, and the, LAS- the LASIK that he had? Yes. You're, between surgery and Dr. Sean Payton working with the, the patient post-op, you expect that he's going to be a different quarterback when he gets his next chance. And that would be intriguing. That that would be really intriguing. It would also cause Bucks fans to fear to breathe a sigh of relief because I think every last one of them fears Jameis Winston staying in the NFC South and torturing him for a decade as a New Orleans Saints quarterback. <laughs> Greendale human being finishes off by saying, not much of a question today, but I'm somewhat happy with the Chargers hire. I hope the hire of Staley flames out and takes them down a notch. Something I don't think many people have mentioned is how lucky the Chargers were with a doctor accidentally puncturing Taylor's lung like an hour before the Chiefs game in week two. Have we seen a team basically luck into a quarterback like this before? Not to say they wouldn't have eventually, eventually turned to Herbert, but definitely not put out on a historic put out a historic season like he had. Well, it wasn't the same thing as Tyrod Taylor. It wasn't someone making a mistake. But think back to the St. Louis Rams in 1999. They lose Trent Green in the preseason. Kurt Warner comes in. Turns out he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, I mean, same thing with the Patriots with uh, with Tom yeah. Brady getting his shot. And then Bill Belichick taking a huge gamble, sticking with him, and turned out to be the easiest gamble of his life. Yeah, specifically with a team doctor messing things up or just missing on a shot. That, that I've never seen. To, to be fair, cool. though, they still yeah. would have discovered Justin Herbert because it's not like he was an undrafted quarterback that had to play because two quarterbacks mm. were, were out ahead of him. No, he, he would have got a shot pretty early on in the season. I think it would have happened within two weeks yeah. of when it did. I think so, too. I think so, too. And Mace, this next one kind of ties into our conversation we were just having from Bronk Euler says, as far as veteran backups are concerned, I've heard a lot of Foles, Fitzpatrick, Darnold, or Dalton, but I don't understand why we would bring in a meddling veteran backup that wouldn't probably play well enough to put us out of range for a top quarterback prospect while also not being the long-term answer. That's a lose-lose situation. I agree. There are two names I'm interested in for our backup quarterback job, Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. They're two young guys who have showed immense potential 
potential in their young careers, which have hit roadblocks for one reason or another. If they don't pan out, we can move on. But if one of them hits, then we could have our guy for the next 10 years. Do you think Mariota or Winston would be a viable heads op- hedge option? And how do you think, and how much do you think it would get to bring them here? Well, yes, we definitely touched on Jameis Winston. That's my favorite hedge option. Yeah, I think uh, Winston and Mariota, they are one, two. You can debate which one is one, which one is two as far as a hedge option. But I love the younger hedge that could be the the potential Tannehill 2.0 rather than the older hedge that is just a Band-Aid to get you through a year. Now, of course, the Raiders do have Mariota under contract, but the Raiders are another team that is in – some shaky cap shape right now and they can create 11.35 million of cap space by letting go of Mariota. And I think that's something to consider Mark Marcus Mariota's contract that he got from the Raiders was a little over $10 million a year for two seasons. Now, Jameis Winston was on an extreme discount when he went to the new Orleans saints, the saints got him, for $1.1 million. I don't think you're going to be able to pull that one off, but I do think you could get either of them for probably somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to $11 million, which yeah, you've got drew lock, but that's a number that you can take in. Yeah. Yeah. I'd that, rather, that is. yeah. I'd rather have that with upside than the older veteran hags at about four and a half to $5 million, who is clearly a bandit if he has to go in there. I totally agree. Next one from Nemo three guys. It's about that time of year again. Do either of you think there is any way, any way we could get Deshaun Watson and get to retain the pick, whether it's just the mere pick of a player that we already took in the draft, like Patrick Sertain. What no, are the number? No, <laughs> yeah. uh, let's, let's be quick on that. Uh, they can't, they're not getting Deshaun Watson without trading their first round pick this year and more because remember Houston doesn't have a first round pick this year. Right. Houston is looking to reclaim draft capital that it that it has lost. Yep, exactly. Mace, let me put it this way. The ninth overall pick is not that valuable in the, the eyes of the Houston Texans. What they're seeing is a potential number two overall pick from the Jets and number three overall pick from the Dolphins. So they say... Uh, the Broncos have the ninth overall pick. That's going to cost you an extra first round pick. And, and that's why, I mean, we're talking three first round picks is just because of what they could get from the Jets or the Dolphins. I mean, the number two overall pick this year, Mace, it would take the Broncos an additional first, maybe even two additional firsts to go from nine to two. And so they can just get that by trading with the Jets and they can also get additional first round picks. And that's why we're also talking about second round picks being in this trade, players being in this trade. Shoot, I mean, it's possible that because the Jets or Dolphins could offer four first round picks that to make this sort of deal happen, a third team is involved and a Bronco player goes to that third team and a first round pick goes back to the Texans. I mean, there's there are a lot of permutations involved with this there are he goes on and says what are the numbers on glasgow what does it take to move on i believe he is 13 million dollars in cap hit next year and 19 million in dead money that may not actually be right it may be thinking of another player um, you're, you're close it's he has a cap figure of 12 million 
And the dead money, if the Broncos cut him, is $17.4 million if they cut him before June 1. After June 1, the, uh, the dead money is $11.4 million. They would actually save $600,000, but that means they're spreading the hit over two years. Graham Glasgow is not going anywhere. He will be on the Broncos uh, in 2021 unless he is traded. Exactly. He goes on and says, one more draft question. Micah Parsons is an interesting prospect. He is an absolute beast coming downhill. And I think I think he should be able to hold his own in the run game. But I haven't watched much Big Ten football this year. So my question to you three is, how do you think he will be able to run, or do you think he'll be able to run sideline to sideline and cover? Well, the interesting thing on Micah Parsons is, yeah, he was one of the opt-outs. So if you had watched Big Ten football, uh, you wouldn't have seen Mike Micah Parsons uh, th- this this past year. The interesting thing is, I mean, he can play on the edge, but he can also, uh, but but can also play inside. He should have the speed to go sideline to sideline. The pro the, the thing is, there are there are issues with him. He is not refined in coverage. He's going to be kind of start. I wouldn't say starting from zero, but pretty close to it. He's somebody who's he who's you know going to kind of be the hair on fire guy. He's going to attack the quarterback when he's called the blitz. He's going, he's, he, he's going to be stout against the run. He's going to try to rip the fo- the football out. He's going to try to be a playmaker, but the coverage is, you know, is one thing that you're concerned about. If you want a pure coverage linebacker, then you're looking at a Koromora out of Notre Dame. That's the coverage linebacker, even though he's smaller. Exactly, Mason. And it isn't Micah Parsons this year's version of Isaiah Simmons in terms of so much uh, versatility, but he's a guy that may just need mm-hmm. to be refined in exactly what position you want to have him play. Right. And we did see Isaiah Simmons make some play, make make a big play in coverage back in that uh, overtime game against the Seahawks that the Cardinals have. So there were glimpses. But I would also say that I, I feel like the Cardinals erred a little bit in kind of in, in not quite figuring out the things he could do and kind of putting him out there a little bit. I, I feel like maybe you could learn from the Cardinals mistakes with Isaiah Simmons in year one. I, I totally agree with you, Mace. All right. And the last part of that question is for RK. So leave it on another pod this week as RK is not with us today. And Mace, before we get to more questions, got to tell our fine people about Chevalier Mortgage. Chevalier Mortgage has Mike and Virginia Chevalier teaming up. And they're not only diehard Broncos fans, they've supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR. VR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. And if you've gone through the loan process before and you would rather watch a Raiders game or get a root canal instead of doing that again, then think about doing it again with Michael and Virginia Chevalier. That's because you haven't worked with these two before. And trust me, they will make the process smooth, quick, and enjoyable. And if you want to refinance because the rates are that good, well, they are. Give Mike of Virginia a call right now. And so make sure to check them out at dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of the largest assets in your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investment, and your tax situation. Mike of Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do, and most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. 
Agents. That's Michael and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Did you say a root canal in there, Zach? Oh, I did. All right. Well, you know, we'll get to uh, get to Green Mountain Dental later, our, our friends <laughs> over there. But uh, yeah, that's something that no one wants to think about as a root canal. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> Here's what you do want to think about. You want to think about food. You want to think about good food. If you are a carnivore, you want to think about good beef. And that's where our friends over the Hassle Cattle Company come in. Hassle Cattle Company means a hassle-free meat life. We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassle Cattle Company, it's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the USA and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu franks with no fillers, by the way. Two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So go on over to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. And use that magical code DNVR10 for 10 percent off your order that's dnvr 10 for 10 percent off and if you get to 200 dollars in beef guess what you're going to receive free shipping so 200 dollars of beef from hassle cattle company you'll get free shipping and of course that magical code dnvr 10 to get 10 percent off check them out we promise you will not be disappointed hassle cattle hassle cow Cattle meat, their, their sticks are produced in three flavors, original, sweet, and spicy, and jalapeno and cheese. If you want some, some, some meat sticks, some jerky, check those out. Highly recommend those. And even NFL players, some NFL players order their beef from Hassle Cattle Company. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. And don't forget that magical code, DMVR10, for 10% off your order and free shipping with a $200 or more order. Mace, next one coming in from Beavis and Jake Butthead. Next one, gents, all this talk about an unknown quarterback this year led me to reminisce on the Peyton Manning days. Living just outside of Washington, D.C., I'll never forget attending the 2012 Ravens-Broncos game in Baltimore with my dad and brother. At the end of the first half, the Ravens just entered the red zone. Based on how the game was going, my dad and I decided to hit the restrooms before the halftime crowd flooded the concourse. As I'm taking care of my business, I just feel the stadium shaking. What just happened? Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Chris Harris Jr. jumping the out route and going 98 yards to the house. As my dad and I got back to our seats, my brother is laughing at the fact that we just missed one of the best plays you could see in an NFL game, all because we decided to go to the bathroom. At least I didn't miss no Sean Moreno hurtling Ed Reed. So this begs my question, what crazy Bronco or football moment did you miss due to mistimed restroom break or trip to the kitchen? Have a wonderful week, guys. You know, the issue for me wouldn't be a, a trip to the kitchen or mistimed restroom break. It's something that we see in the press box. And that's uh, back in the pre-COVID days when you take the elevator down mm, and something right. would happen while you were on the elevator ride down. Uh, that's happened a few times. Yep. For me, I, that I've that I've missed some big moments, like a like what turned out to be a game winning kick or a huge 
or a huge play that uh, got a team in the scoring range. Although those are the, not one jumps out, but that's happened a few times. I think I can safely say I haven't really missed any big Broncos moments because because of anything. But Mace, I was at a Chicago Blackhawks game. My friend, when I was visiting him in Chicago, got us great seats in the lower bowl. It was such a blast of a game. But it went to overtime, 0-0. We hadn't seen an entire score ah. all game. Kind of a boring game. I kid you not, we go out to hit the bathroom right before overtime starts. And there's the first goal, which, of course, ends the game with like three seconds into overtime. So not only did we miss the end of a game, which was a Blackhawks win, which would have been fun. We, I mean, we, we were just in the bathroom for it, for the only goal. Oh, that's, that's the worst. I mean, that, that sometimes happens. Like if you go to soccer games as well, I mean, cause zero, zero or nil all is a relatively common score in that sport. And if you miss a goal because you're taking a leak, that's the worst <laughs> feeling imaginable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next one from orange and blue Aussie fun question, by the way, good, mm-hmm. great pod guys, intense and insightful ceiling floor debate. From what I've seen, these terms become popular amongst fans due to fantasy football and fantasy. You want someone with a high ceiling and a high floor. A high floor means they score at least double digits against any team. And a high ceiling means they can go for big scores. There are also players who have high ceilings and low floors up until this year. Will Fuller was that could score huge one week and then do two catches for 18 yards next rk your ceiling concept isn't wrong but it's about that max score that can win you a fantasy matchup of the week drew is capable of just explosion games which paxton and others couldn't do problem is drew has his dud weeks so drew has potentially high ceiling but you have to be consistent at high ceiling to be a locked to locked in a starter fantasy seasons are won by a strong mix of consistency and reliability this is not an attack on drew it's just not proved consistent enough over the long haul for us to know if he's a stud or a dud we were all sure that after the 2020 season we'd have the answer yet under the brutal schedule, especially early and the late season uptick mediocre defenses. We got gray, not black or white. So let's trade whatever to get to Sean Watson. I didn't start drafting till the fourth round and with a good couple keepers won my championship and the second time. And guess who was my roster at quarterback Rogers and Watson draft picks are great, but superstars are better. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I like that. Draft picks are ba- great. Superstars are better. And it's the old cliche, burden the hand is worth two in the bush, right? And Exactly. And Deshaun Watson is a great bird in the hand to have. No, no doubt about that. So, And I think you make good points as well in terms of talking about the, the consistency. And that's what, you know, that's, that's why I, the discussion was so fascinating. But I... You know, our RK isn't here to defend himself, so I'm not really going to – I don't think it's really fair to kind of continue uh, to con- continue that debate. But, I mean, I think it, it was said yesterday. I mean, almost any quarterback can have a singular, explosive, great game. Almost any guy. I mean, Brandon Allen literally did it this past year. And you wouldn't, and no one would say that Brandon Allen's ceiling is, this, it, I should say that Brandon Allen's ceiling is, is, is the same as Drew Locke. But if you went by the individual game argument, you would. And that's why you got to go by the, by the full season or at minimum, even kind of a stretch of a season of even four games at least, perhaps. And, and that's where you say, okay, what's the bet? What was the best four game stretch for Drew Locke? 
probably what he had at the end of the season. Is that sufficient? Yep, exactly. Mesa, I thought about this a lot the past 24 hours since we talked about this, since we typically don't disagree on much, and this was something right. we did. So I thought a lot about it, and I think you nailed it. I think you have to start at least at a four-game sample because, Mace, it's great if a quarterback can go out there and throw four touchdowns, no picks, have a 99 quarterback rating for one game. Okay, that gets you one game. That doesn't mean anything about what a quarterback is or isn't. As we pointed out, the Matt Flynn's, the Brandon Allen's of the world have got close to that. So you need to look at a four-game sample size to be basing ceilings and floors. And you're absolutely right. And, and Mace, we probably won't talk about this much right now, but maybe someone can remind us in the comment section when RK's back is – Drew Locke's ceiling would be a four-game stretch that he finished this year. Seven touchdowns, two interceptions. And, uh, well, I, I could go on. I could go on. So someone remind us in the comments section because this is a – it's a good conversation to have. And and and, and taking a look at uh, – at, the, at those at those games here. I mean, you said set you said seven touchdowns and two inter, and two interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd also look at the, and say, all right, he had one 300 yard. He had one 300 yard game in that. He had one game where his passer rating was north of was nearly 150. He also had a game where his passer rating was was 50.3. I'd have to kind of actually dive into the overall numbers and kind of extrapolate what what his uh, what his performance actually was. And actually, I think I can, I think I can do that right now here and uh, just, you know, get out the pro football reference abacus here. It's uh, going to work. And here we go. Drew Locke's pass rating in those last four games, 92.1. Okay. Sounds good, right? That's basically league average for a starter. Right. Yeah. Yeah, boy, that's, uh, that's interesting. Maybe this could be an entire first segment later in the week, I'm sure. Yeah, I, th- I think so. That would actually be intri- the intriguing and to to have the floor ceiling because I don't think we've had the last floor no. ceiling discussion of the offseason. Jason 17. My boys. Happy Tuesday. Real quick, I just want to throw out a fact for Zach, the renowned Aaron Rodgers hater. Rodgers this season threw for 48 touchdowns. The Packers punter J.K. Scott only punted 46 times. Looking forward to the game this weekend, but I'm pulling for the Packers to come out on top. A couple of questions real quick. Which would be cheaper, better in your, in your guys' opinion? Restructuring Vaughn to a couple more years or shining Shaq Barrett to a multiple-year deal providing he hits the market? Oh, man, easy. I mean, for me, it's it's Shaq Barrett. Mace, I saw something from PFF that Shaq has the second most pressures in the NFL since the start of the 2019 season. That is insane. Yeah, the, the Bucks really unlocked something in him. And, of course, one thing to consider with the Bucks that uh, helped him is he had the big sack season, of course, in, in 2019, and he had another good season in 2020. The Bucks have a scenario where they have a complimentary pass rusher because you've got Shaq Barrett on one side and Jason Pierre-Paul on the other. So if he were to be made available, the Broncos could and the Broncos moved on from Von Miller. They could offer him the kind that same kind of complimentary scenario. The problem is the Bucks, you know, for all that they've that they've done to invest in the roster, uh, the Bucks, believe it or not, have if there's a cap of 175 million, the Bucks would have about 24 million of cap space. Mm. So amazing that the bucks have all this talent this high wattage talent and they've got some guys that they're going to have to to, to make an effort to uh, to re-sign here as they as they get into the as they get into the offseason but the bucks are not in bad position 
to keep somebody if they want him. Of course, Shaq Barrett is their biggest free agent. Gronk is the free agent. Levante David is a free agent as well. And then you kind of go on down the list, guys like Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, uh, uh, they'd have to try to, to re-sign. But if the Bucks want to bring back Shaq Barrett, it's, it would, it's not an issue of finances. They can do it cap and cash-wise. And I would imagine that they do that. You'd hope so. I mean, I mean, don't don't you want a defense that compliments Tom Brady? And Absolutely. A, a defense that compliments Tom Brady is one that can rush the passer because you presume you're playing from ahead. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. The other question is, who are you guys going for in the playoffs? I know Mace is going for the Bucks, and we know that Zach is going against anyone facing the Packers. If I'm picking one team, it's the Bills, but for the sole reason that I went to college with Josh Allen, I would love to see a guy from my school take his team to the Super Bowl. Thanks for the pot, as always, guys. Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. Um, and yeah, I think you nailed both Mace and I. But uh, he, here's the thing is, I think all of Broncos country is with you. Jason, because I think everyone is is Bill's country right now in, in Broncos country going against the Chiefs. And then I think Josh Allen and the Bills are just an easy team to cheer for against either of those NFC teams. But, you know, this weekend I'll be pulling for the Bucks in the NFC. And all Broncos fans can do is wonder what might have been. <laughs> yeah, they, they coached Josh Allen for a week at the Senior Bowl and said no thanks. Yep, exactly. Boy. Next one from Von Miller's Chicken Farm. Howdy, gents. As Peyton combs through the roster, he'll make some pretty surprise moves. If the coaches like the wide receiver room and Peyton looks to save future cap, is it reasonable to say Sutton could be shopped? If so, what value do you think he has if healthy? The reason I ask about the number one receiver is he was a part of digs for Jefferson and might like that sort of cap dump. Thanks for the pod as always. Well, Von Miller's Chicken Farm, it's a great question. I just think you may not be selling Cortland Sutton when uh, when his price is the highest because he is coming off that injury. Yeah, and the other thing you consider is what are you getting out of that relative to the value of the player? If you do move on from Cortland Sutton, you're only saving $1.413 million. You're so going to have probably a d- be a cap savings for the future of not having to pay him. Right, exactly. What you're saying is you, 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 it's not the short term. You're thinking about, oh, if he walks after next year, we get a third round compensatory pick. Right. So if you did deal Cortland Sutton, I think because you'd get a because there'd be a full year uh, before before his contract was up, I think this, the conversation would have to start at a second round pick. Minimum. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, absolutely. At a minimum, I think you're going for a first kind of like the Stefan Diggs. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe that happens midway through the season. I just, man, again, it's not John Elway anymore. So I got to recondition myself, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah. It's not a cap dump. It's saying, okay, if we let him walk a year from now, do we get more than the comp pick? That's all. Right, right. Race City Broncos says, hey, guys, in one of Mace's recent articles, he referenced how Drew Locke ranks near the bottom of the starting quarterbacks and passer rating for the year. I'm wondering, though, how did he fare overall in the past six weeks of the season? Six weeks may seem like a cherry pick time frame since it's the week after the Vegas game with four interceptions. But if you push back to eight weeks, it would encompass the breakout Falcons game. However, the game against Miami, it just felt like things clicked for Drew. He was checking down and hitting the open receiver instead of pushing the ball downfield with reckless ability abandonment i know in the division he was still fourth but he also had but he was also second in touchdowns and had the second fewest interceptions comparable to mahomes Carr, and herbert during that time frame all right let's uh let's take a look here we're using the uh 
the the database over at Pro Football Reference here, and uh, let's see if let's let's do a pass attempts minimum one hundred. Uh, game number eleven to sixteen, twenty twenty season. Do, 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 and do, 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 here do, do. we go. And uh, Drew Locke's pass rating is eighty-seven point five, which plays some eighteenth of thirty-one quarterbacks in that span. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's interesting. So if someone wants to make the case that you know a six-game that that was his ceiling, that six-game stretch, right? That that's what you're talking about. Obviously, I think people want want to believe that that there's a higher ceiling for sure. So it'll be interesting later in this week to look at you know what what four games sample size was his ceiling potentially, right? Right. The other thing is, if you go by completion percentage, he meets the baseline. It's not good, but he meets the baseline, sixty percent. Of course, uh, you know some Jerry Judy job drops kind of factored in into that. And uh, if you believe in these things being uh, bad signs, his average yards per attempt six point six six. Okay. Okay. Well, interesting stats there. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's what Ray city Bronco was looking for. I I, don't, I don't think those were the answers he was expecting to get. Yeah. That's uh, again, that's below league average for starters. Next Next one from free Philip Lindsay. All right, let's test the limits of what we'd give up for Deshaun. Here's a hypothetical trade. Mace, tell me if you're in or out on this trade, three firsts, three seconds, three thirds, a 2021 fourth Sutton Chubb lock Reisner Mace. What do you think? Um, that's a ton. <laughs> if I'm giving up that many, if I'm, if, and I know this is going to sound like, you know, nitpicking here. If I'm giving up day one and day two for three years, uh, I'd rather not give up Cortland Sutton and Bradley Chubb. Right. So is that a no? That's a no. This would really, really hurt. This is when you have to say, okay, is Deshaun Watson a five to seven quarterback in the NFL, or is he truly a top five quarterback year in and year out? You just you do this, and you have completely choked off your ability to supplement the roster. At least if you hang on to third round picks, you can you can make some moves. And don't forget with Dalt with uh with um. Deshaun Watson, he's going to have a cap number that's going to prevent you from uh, being active in free agency. So there, there's a limit. There, there's a limit to this. I mean, frankly, if the Broncos pulled off a, a, a deal that had three firsts, I would rather see players traded than, say, three firsts and three seconds because you trade players. At least you hang on to the second-round picks, and at least you can do something with those. Yeah. Mace, you can the- find starters. It's too, it's too rich for me. It it is. And uh, the, the reason for this is I'm not sold that Deshaun Watson is a top five guy, top three guy year in and year out. And honestly, I don't think we've seen that. Um, You know, I think he's a top seven guy, but to, I mean, this is giving everything away mace and when you're giving everything away it's got to be for elite he he is you know just outside of elite he is he is a great quarterback and i'm willing to give up a lot but i mean this is everything so you did test the limits there for philip Lindsay. yep exactly moving on to ldj larry dang jr so i can't wait for george payton's press conference today i love his point of view i want drew to either beat out real competition or sit for a year or two and develop that as the best scenario we can hope for to be honest but i want to ask you something because i want to be fair but how are people conjuring this theory that the broncos have a ton of holes on this roster still other than inside linebacker and corner we are pretty deep 
if Vaughn becomes an issue, maybe we should be concerned with Malik Reed having like eight, eight set, but Malik Reed had eight sacks as a rotational piece. I don't understand where this Broncos still have a lot of holes other than QB thing is come is coming from QB is holding his team back. We can and will address corner heavily, but I don't see where we have major holes outside of the quarterback. You're, you're spot on in terms of major holes. There aren't, when you go through the offense, it's, it's quarterback is really the only thing they could address early in the draft. And on defense, there are some things defensive line. If you reshot resign Shelby Harris, keep Jarrell Casey, then you're not looking at any big time holes for this season outside of cornerback uh, or it's outside of quarterback. And, uh, and you're right. You can use that first round pick on a quarterback. I'm sorry, exactly. a cornerback. Oh my gosh, I got those two mixed up there. <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, the the need for a corner is one of those things that maybe that will give anybody pause about um, trading too much because where do you find those number one corners? Usually, they you find them high in the draft. Right, exactly, exactly. And Mace, before we wrap up here and get out of here, got to tell you guys about our friends at Green Mountain Dental. We talked about root canals earlier. No one wants to get them done. But if you have to get them done, Green Mountain Dental is the best place to do it because they treat you like family. And boy, if you have to have something done like that, you certainly want someone like family getting that procedure done with you. And so make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental. Several of our DNVR listeners have switched to Green Mountain Dental over the years and make them their permanent family dentistry. And they've told us that they really do treat them like family. And when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure to schedule that free, free or that schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam to get that free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental. They've been a longtime DNVR partner. They've showed us the love over the years. So make sure to show them the love. That's Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for rolling with us today. Make sure to cover or to follow all of our coverage on the George Payton press conference. We'll break it all down tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thank you guys so much for rolling with us today. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a terrific Tuesday.